You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Hands Hello Eyes and, and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel speaking, and I'm joined by Matt Mania, the Dizzy Drake, the Matt Drake of Bottom Six Minutes, the top podcast performer in Hong Kong. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely terrific. It's a beautiful day out. And uh, the Habs, the Habs signed a pretty good value contract too, so I guess we're going to get to that. Are, are you trying to push into Vietnam or or into Philippines next? Well, we 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 got Hong Kong on lock. I think mainland China is next. To be honest, we're 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 going big. We're we're going for the big case directly. Well, you know, Matt works with finance. We we see how he's thinking. It's a good day to be on Hampson's Minded, obviously, and we're joined also by the ever-present Jared Book. Yes, I am here. As always, in the background, just just being the ghost, the forum ghost of the hockey podcast, right? I don't know if I'm a ghost. I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as Maybe Matt a friendly ghost. Maybe the Casper of this podcast. Yeah, but I mean, like, the ghost of... The forum goes were friendly to to Montreal, right? Where they go though? Yeah, they they stayed in the forum and they turned it into a mall, and a movie theater, and a bowling alley, and a really shitty bar. By the way, I don't know if if anybody's listening. If you've been up there, there's like this shit bar in the for the forum is it's horrible. I don't even know if it's still open. I feel like everything that goes in there closes. Do they still have that Montreal uh, section of the forum? Well, yeah. they've got a small section of seats that they left in. Yeah. Um, and then they put like some fake people in them and stuff. Like I personally, I think they did a horrible job. They did a complete disservice to the cathedral that was the forum. And um, you know, my my dad's been there. My dad grew up going to games in the forum, and he's like, "Yeah, this this ain't it." And uh, I know there's a bowling alley there. I went bowling there once, and it like the whole time I was there, I was just complaining. I think I probably ruined everybody else's bowling game because I was like sitting there. And I'm like, you know what used to happen in here, and now. We're fucking bowling. What is this? Well, the dryness statue is probably there still, right? I think so. I literally, there's no reason to go there anymore. <laughs> like, I, I, I live in the city, and I haven't been there in years. Uh, I think the last time I was there, no, can't even think about the last time I was there. I walked by it once. There, I walked last, by it. <laughs> yeah. Last time I was there was the bowling. Before that, I think I saw the first Deadpool movie there, and same thing. I think. I was complaining the entire time about what the building used to be and what it should be. And uh, yeah. One player that didn't get a chance to play there, obviously, was Alex Newhook. Just signed with the Montreal Canadiens, a four-year contract, going to the summer of 2027, a $2.9 million per season contract. Initial thoughts? There's there's really n- nothing to not like about this like it's it's a it's a very good contract for the Montreal Canadiens the odds of him being worth like less than 2.9 million is very very slim uh you can argue he already is a 2.9 million dollar player like he doesn't have to grow into this contract at all so for me it's it's even better than the Kirby talk contract just because it's a little bit lower uh, and and there's probably less risk, right? Like Doc was kind of like a reclamation project, but like Newhook, like even if he doesn't improve, and I think there's a lot to say that he will improve in, in a better situation and, and a more lenient one, but even if he doesn't, 
like the, there's no downside to this contract. Like he, mm. he's making less than a lot of players who are going to be playing, you know, third, fourth line minutes in the NHL. Uh, and, and he's already there doing that. So for me, no downside at all. They are betting with the four-year contract that he will improve. And also there is no rush to improve in a way. Uh, because it's not a two-year contract. You have these two years and then you're gone. If you don't succeed, this is, you got four years. Make sure it happens during those four years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that he took four years is also a huge win for the Habs. Like the 2.9 million, uh, I agree with Jared. I think it's pretty tough, uh, pretty unlikely that he's not at least worth that amount. But for me, it was really the four years that stood out because I would have thought he would have stood his ground and wanted just a two-year, right? A real show-me deal where he can renegotiate after that because the cap's going to be going up. It's not going up very much this year, but in the next two years after that, it's supposed to go up pretty drastically. So I was kind of expecting that when he got signed, it was just going to be two. He was going to get that opportunity. They've already gone out before they even signed the contract. And they said, we want to give this guy top six minutes. So for me, if, I, if I'm thinking from an agent's perspective, I would have stood my ground hard on two years and been like, they're going to give you top six minutes. They're going to give you every opportunity to go out there and earn yourself a massive raise after those two years. But instead he signs for four. It left me wondering, and I was even talking about this in the EOTP Slack chat, like, did he take a hometown discount? I, I feel like, you know, he's from Newfoundland and I know a lot of people from Newfoundland are Habs fans. I wonder if he grew up a Habs fan and if he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend this out a little bit. I'm going to take that 2.9 for the four years. I get some security. The team gets cap flexibility during those four years. And, you know, realistically, I think he probably could have signed two years and then earned himself more money with a top six spot. I feel like this is almost a discount for the Habs. He also has won the, the Stanley Cup. He knows what it takes. And maybe that is the discount a little bit like Lidstrom did in his last years, etc. Yeah, and they're paying him, uh, Jared mentioned it, right? They're paying him less than they're paying other people that are going to be below him in the lineup. He's getting less than Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Yoel Armia, um, and Kirby Doc. Now, Kirby Doc is probably going to be in the top six. I think they may be looking at him to be the number two center this year. Uh, but Dvorak, definitely not going to be as high up in the lineup as Newhook. Hoffman, definitely not going to be as high up in the lineup. I think you could even throw Josh Anderson in there and say, and Brendan Gallagher too. And all, all of these guys making more money than him, and he's probably going to be a little bit higher up in the lineup than them um, to, to varying degrees throughout the course of the season. I mean, I, 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 I didn't like the trade. I didn't like the trade. And uh, so I'm not going to sit here and try to be a revisionist in terms of the history of what I said, because I did not like the trade. I do not like giving up basically two second round picks for an NHL player. We saw what happened with Andrew Shaw. And I think that was my big gripe with it was I didn't want to give up those picks, but with this deal, it makes me look back at the trade a little bit more favorably. He's also negotiating with his old agent, right? So, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's it, 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 you know, is it a hometown discount or, or just kind of like, listen, like we believe in you, you know, you're going to have a, a chance to play. You're in a pretty good situation. And and the, the, the deal expires one year before he's an unrestricted free agent. So, uh, you know, he's he's also betting on himself, even though it's four years and it's a little bit more team friendly in that regard. He still has a chance to bet on himself as well and and get a big contract uh, when he's when when the four years ends. If I put myself in his shoes and I'm like, if I was in that spot and I know you already went out to the media and said, we want to give this guy first line minutes, I would have I would have pushed for the two. And try to renegotiate that sooner but you, you got a point there i mean he's still kind of betting on himself but man I, I again all this to say the the deal itself with the amount of years and the amount of dollars that they actually had to commit um it, it makes me look 
act significantly more favorably on the trade. Obviously, he will be an impact player directly. Those two picks that he cost will not be impact players directly for the Montreal Canadiens. So you have that opportunity as well. It opens up quite some interesting thing. And we have to highlight the um, article by Nathan Nye uh, today, Wednesday, uh, on Eyes on the Price. Fantastic article. It takes you about a 15 minutes to, to read it. It probably takes another 15 minutes to understand everything in it. Amazing work by Nathan. Um, go in, read it. Um, it concerns his usage. It concerns uh, who he played with in Colorado, etc., etc. It's also interesting because it really has been an Alex Newhook day. Elite Prospect had their article out and The Athletic with Arpen had their out. Three different angles. Nathan's is, is one of those that I always read when it comes to to depth analysis in regards to Montreal Canadian players. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two now streaming only on Disney Plus. But it does put up, and we see that in the comment as well. How would you put the the roster and the lineup for Montreal Canadiens? Let's just say for the first game of the season. There's so many variables. I really don't think that the everyone who is in the lineup right now will be with the Montreal Canadiens when when the season starts. Uh, Matt Matt mentioned a bunch of those players: Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Yul Armia. There, there's a lot of players there. You know, I, I don't think they'll trade Josh Henderson. I definitely don't think they'll trade Brendan Gallagher. Um, but but I think you know there, there's a lot of guys there. And there's not very many spots available. Uh, and, and the same thing, a little bit to a lesser extent, uh, on defense as well. But, yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, You know, how much of a factor will waivers be? That's the one thing you have to look at with this lineup is that, you know, there's a there's a chance that, you know, I, I don't think that they'll send Uri Slavkovsky to the AHL. I think he'll be, you know, very solidly in the lineup but if they don't move anybody out and everyone's healthy they might have to send them down same thing with Raphael Harvey Pernard uh to not lose uh Yesi Ullinen on waivers as an example uh will they waive one of the other guys one of the veterans uh we saw them do it with Ren Pitlick last year so a lot of questions um with that but I think it has to start with Suzuki Caulfield on the top line I don't I think that they might start with Doc there just because they have other centers there. Uh, they might go new hook there right away as well. Uh, second line, I, I think, I think like Matt said, Doc is going to be, if he's not on the top line, he'll be that second line center without a doubt. Uh, probably Sean Monaghan in there. Um, maybe Josh Anderson. Probably Uri Slavkovsky um, in there as well. And then it kind of gets interesting because I feel like there's a lot of interchangeable parts in this lineup, and, and I'm not really sure of the combinations, but I would I think Jake Evans probably number three center, maybe um, the, if if Dvorak isn't isn't around, 
Uh, if if he's there, then Dvorak's definitely a, a number three center. And you know what? That's he's 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 a good number three center. Like I know that a lot of Canadians fans have been on him uh, as a disappointment, but he was always going to disappoint when he was playing, not you know second line minutes, uh, or asked to do what Philip Deneau did and what Jesperi Kakanyemi did as he did in his first year. I think he's fine as a three center. Obviously not long term. Um, and then you know, I mean, how do you find room for all these guys? Like there's. There's so many players who are so close to the NHL. Um, you know, Farrell played in the NHL last year. Owen Beck, uh, you know, Leah Sanderson probably wants to, you know, he told you, Patrick, he wants a long look uh, for the NHL this year. Uh, I mentioned Ullinen before, who still needs a new contract. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how that lineup goes. I, I don't want to really make a guess right now. And really, I don't think there's a bad answer. I, I think they're going to have four lines that will, other than the Suzuki Caulfield line, play relatively even minutes and, and go from there. I think a lot of it hinges on, you know, before you can even properly project a lineup is they, they probably need to move somebody or some buddies. Um, and the other thing is which center is going to move to the wing. Cause you got too many NHL centers right now. You got Suzuki, Doc, Monaghan, Newhook, Evans, and Dvorak. Uh, Newhook and Doc, we know they can both play the wing. Monaghan, also, we saw him on the wing a little bit last year, so we know that that can work. If I was to, you know, just do this out of the brain of Matt Drake and say, what would I do? Uh, I agree with Jared 100%. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, those are, they're on your top line. The question is, who plays on the other side? It can't be Josh Anderson. We saw too much of that last year. And we know that it only works in spurts. It doesn't work consistently enough. So Josh Anderson can't be that other guy. So you got a couple of options. You can either put Kirby Doc up there, or you can hope that uh, Sean Monahan can play that side on the right um, and put him up there, or Newhook. It's probably one of those three. Uh, moving them over to the wing and putting them on the top line. I think that based on what they've said, I think Newhook is probably going to get a look there. So I'd say that's your top line uh, to start the year. Caulfield, Suzuki, and Newhook. Um, I think it's an interesting line. It's something they haven't tried before. It gives uh, Suzuki and Caulfield an opportunity to try and build chemistry with a guy that's going to be around for the next four years. I think they'll give it a shot, and uh, I, I'd be behind giving that a shot. That would leave Kirby Doc centering the second line, and this this is a tough one. I think the the fan base would love to see Uri Slavkovsky on the left, uh, give him an opportunity for top six minutes. You didn't draft him first overall to put him in the bottom six, so I, I think if you're not going to put him in the top six, then let him have some time in Laval instead where he can play top six minutes. So that being said, if we go perfect world, I'd put Slavkovsky on the left with Doc in the middle, and then I'd give him Brendan Gallagher for that net front presence uh, on the second line. Um, then that brings me to the third line, right? The third line for me, I think Sean Monaghan's got to center it. I think this is going to be a line that you're going to rely on a little bit defensively, but at the same time, you want them to be able to exploit. So I would give him Josh Anderson on the right, not going to help him defensively, um, whatsoever, but I think Sean Monaghan is good enough in all three zones that he can kind of overcome some of those issues that, that do arise. Uh, with Josh Anderson on defense. And then on the left side, this is where we run into, uh, you know, the possibility of bringing in prospects or something like that. But I would give it to Rafael Harvey Pinar. I think he's earned an extended look in the NHL. I think he has to be uh, in the opening night lineup. I don't think it would be fair to him to keep him out. Uh, he's done enough to earn it. And I would give him third line minutes to start. And then you go to your fourth line and your fourth line, I've got Jake Evans centering that one. Um, and it's going to be as defensive as you can possibly make it. 
Uh, that being said, you've got some problems on the wing again because you don't really have any great defensive wingers that you can shove in there. I think it'll probably be Mike Hoffman on the right, <clears throat> but in a perfect world, I would put Mike Hoffman on waivers and I would give Joshua Hawaii a shot there. Um, I think he's got significantly better defensive chops than people give him credit for. And I'd love to see him get a shot there. Either him or uh, Elanen would be the, my, my other choice. I think it's going to be Hoffman, but if it was my pick, it'd be Elanen or uh, Hua. And then on the left, uh, again, a tough one. Um, I think Elias Anderson, as you mentioned, uh, Pat, you already interviewed him. You know he wants to get a shot. If he can earn himself an opportunity coming out of camp, I think he'll get it. Uh, Michael Pizzetta is also an option. And then uh, my dark horse candidate would be Emil Heinemann. Um, I think he's supposed to go back to Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Pat, you're going to have to correct me on that. But he was very impressive at camp last year. And I think if he shows up to camp again and, and really impresses and kind of pushes for a spot, I think there's a possibility that he ends up uh, earning himself a spot there too. Um, the other option could be maybe even Sean Farrell uh, might be able to come up and take that spot. I think some of these spots are going to be up for grabs. And a lot of it, again, is going to be depending on who do they move out? Because uh, I, I agree 100% with what Jared said. Not everybody that's currently under contract is going to be there on, on day one. I think there's going to be some movement, whether that is trades or whether that is um, people going on waivers. Uh, Yoel Armia, I'm sorry, but I don't have you in my starting my opening night lineup. I don't have you in my lineup at any point this season. I think he's another guy who's got to go on waivers and uh, potentially get buried in the minors or traded if they can find somebody who's willing to take on his contract, which they probably can't. But that covers it for my forwards there. You know, uh, a, a lot of it requires some things to happen that haven't happened yet. But I I think they've got they they've got enough they've got enough bodies. The question is. Do they have too many bodies and what can they do with the extra people so that they can make space for some of these younger players to earn themselves a chance? Uh, first off, we saw uh, some things happening the last two seasons, really, with putting experienced players on waivers, sending them down, and then the trade happened after they didn't send down because they don't have to pass waivers for the new team. Um, that could be an option, obviously, at the start of the season and obviously putting people on that second to last or last day uh, before the, the rosters has to be nailed down uh, and, and hope they go through because the other teams will also have players that needs to go through. Um, so, so there are limited spots. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing is, uh, I'm not sure who's, who's come with this idea that Emil Heinemann is going back to Europe. Well, I, I can't remember where, I, somebody said it to me on Twitter when I, had, I, I put out a few line combos that I said I'd like to see at some point during the season and people were like no Heinemann's going to Europe and that's why I asked you you're supposed to clarify that for me you're you're my you're my ace when it comes to European news man if you have a valid contract in Europe and sign an NHL deal the first deal of that contract you have to go back to Europe instead of going to AHL that was last year for Emil Heinemann this year he's AHL or NHL already I could tell you beautiful straight out that Lexand is not counting on Emil Heinemann this year because they have, they have replaced him with another fan favorite of the Montreal Canadiens, Lucas Vedemo. Ooh. I like Lucas. Then that means that means it's entirely possible that Emil Heinemann could earn himself a spot uh, in the bottom six then, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw what he did last year at camp. For sure. Uh, my problem is, is and, and Leah said this about himself, uh, that I don't see Leah's and Emil strong enough defensively to be on the fourth line in 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 uh, in NHL. They will probably 
yeah. you're right in in AHL, but on 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 that higher level where they will be outmaneuvered by their for one of the first two lines probably um, of the opposing team is not going to be good. Well, that's see that, and that's where the uh, like I mentioned when I was projecting the lines, like there's definitely defensive issues in the bottom six on the wing. That's why I feel like Joshua Wack could make himself indispensable at camp because he's very defensively capable. He does excellent work on the penalty kill, but no matter how you slice it, you're going to have some defensive issues. What if Mike Hoffman's down there? He just doesn't play defense. Yoel Armia, I mean, at one point in his career, he was decent defensively, but he's not, he doesn't appear to be good in any zone anymore. Um, Michael Pizzetta, he, a good checker. He's, he's a heavy presence. He definitely kind of gets in your face and he's willing to fight, but is he good defensively? I would say no. And then you got uh, Lias Anderson. You've also got Emil Heinemann there as well, which, as as you've confirmed, are not defensive stalwarts. I think no matter what, you're going to have some defensive issues. And I think Jake Evans is the kind of player in, in in the middle where you can you can saddle him with some non-defensive line mates, and he can still give you some pretty good shifts. Um, it it takes a little bit of the defensive responsibility off whoever's on his wing because he's so good in his own zone. You could possibly um, put put Dvorak out on the wing as well. And then you can put almost can anyone you? on I've... the other wing because those two would be able to to handle it defensively. Fair point. Um, I can't recall seeing Dvorak play on the wing with the Habs, though. And uh, I certainly didn't watch him in Arizona. Nobody watches the Coyotes. So um, I even got I even managed to throw a dig at the Coyotes in there. Look at me go. I, I think I think Armia has more potential than than a guy like Hoffman. Um, honestly, I, I think that he's better suited to be that kind of penalty killer bottom six guy than, than Hoffman is. Uh, and, and he had a really good world championships also. Uh, not that that's the, the end all be all. I remember when we were talking about, you know, David Sklenichka having a really good world championships. Um, right I think it's more important for Armia to have it because he needed the confidence boost. Yes, yeah, he he's a player that thrives on confidence, right? Like he he can go like thirty games without a goal, and then as soon as he gets one, he has like seven in like five games. Like I think I think that's exactly what happened last year. <laughs> he didn't score, and then he couldn't stop scoring, um, for for a few games, and 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 then, yeah, I think that confidence is so big for for Armia. I just feel like he doesn't really trust his his abilities if it's not going in, uh, and and it it affects kind of other parts of his game as well. And, and that happens for a lot of players, but uh, I think that Armia, uh, if he can get a good camp going, uh, if he's still a member of the Canadians, can can definitely be uh, a positive contributor uh, to the team. But, I mean, there's also Owen Beck. Uh, Owen Beck is an interesting one, too, because he's NHL or junior. There's no in-between for him. Uh, so, you know, we saw him play an NHL game last year uh, when the team was hit with injuries, I wonder if, uh, let's say, uh, Dvorak is not there at training camp, if that opens up a role uh, at center for him, even with all the other centers. Um, like Matt said, one will have to be uh, moved to wing uh, as well. So, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of interesting names. You know, Maybe even a guy like Mitchell Stevens or Philip Maillet, uh, who, who just signed with the Canadians, uh, gets a look at, at a fourth-line role. Uh, you know, and, you know, people are probably rolling their eyes, but 
if I would have mentioned Alex Belzil as an initial option a year ago, people would have rolled their eyes too. So, you know, those guys too uh, can be in the mix. A guy like Lucas Condota. There's so many options uh, that by default, Laval is going to have so many good forwards (laughs) this year um, that that it will be very interesting. Like I, I, I don't think that, it's out of the question that a guy like Leah Anderson steps into the NHL um, because he's a guy that you don't necessarily want to lose on waivers either. So I think if it's close between him and somebody else, uh, he might get that, that spot. Um, but it, it'll be training. I, I say, I think I like, I've said this for the last few years that training camp will be really interesting, but this year will be very interesting. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like there's gonna be a lot of competition because there's just so many spots. Um, so many guys competing for spots. But it's also that fact that, you know, development, uh, having a junior player like Owen Beck, as an example, um, play fourth line minutes rather than play top minutes in in, in juniors or top minutes in, in Laval uh, in other cases, uh, and rather have those old timers um, on the, the main team and maybe get a trade value for them down the line. Uh, it's it's a it's a 3d chess really that that yeah. the front office has to work with yeah absolutely if if beck makes the team out of camp it'll only be for nine games or eight games uh i i don't i don't think he'll stay the entire year uh unless he's just that much better than everyone else and there's a lot of injuries and you know who knows you know if you would have asked me uh you know four years ago if yes very cut can yemi would have played the full season in the NHL, I would have said no. He should uh, have. So I, I mean, he yeah. was good that year. He was good that year. Uh, he he just the the issue was surrounding him that the next off season he got hurt and then never really recovered. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously an argument for taking your time, and I'm never going to argue against that. Um, but I don't think it's automatically bad to have him play some NHL games. But yeah, obviously the the, the the odds are stacked against him just because of all the bodies that are around uh, and because it's you know easiest to send him to junior rather than do anything else. With, with Beck, I think he's better served in, in junior for the year. He's going to get a big opportunity with the Pete's. He's going to get a big opportunity probably with Team Canada at the World Juniors also. Yeah, he was the late fill-in for Canada in the last tournament, right? When they, the World Juniors is going to be down the road from where I sit right now. Uh, your homework is to go to the games and go talk to Owen Beck and let him know that we love him, and but that we think that's where he should be this year. I think he deserves that opportunity. Um, and look, like I said about the centers, and like the Owen Beck is one guy that I would not try to convert him to the wing. And I, I would stand very, very strongly against the idea of converting him to the wing. And as much as he has the ability to push for a roster spot, I think his defensive responsibility makes him a bit of a unicorn for the Habs uh, because he's, you know, he's capable of chipping in points as well, but very, very good in his own zone. Um, As much as I think that can help him push for a roster spot and as much as it earned him a game last year with the Habs, I I don't think that unless they move multiple centers, uh, I don't think that he could earn a spot. And I would be extremely against the idea of using him on the wing. So even if he was, pushing for a roster spot to the point where he's better than a few of your wingers, I would still put him back down in junior just to give him that opportunity to go lead the Peterborough Peets, to go lead Team Canada at the World Juniors and and keep playing the position that he's meant to be playing. He's one guy that I would not, under any circumstances, try to put on the wing. And we have the same problem, really, when it comes to defense as well because the defense is stacked nowadays and there's all young 
they might be lost on waivers. Some of them they will. Some of them will not be lost on waivers due to the contract situations. They might go back to Europe. They might go to AHL. It's a full blown youth development program in Montreal right now, Jared. Yeah, uh, I I don't think it's gonna be. Much, I think I don't think there's gonna be any surprises this year, but. When you're going next year, and, and especially next year, like I'm talking about 24, 25, that's when somebody who has been in the NHL in the last two years might end up going um, to the AHL and people are like, what's going on? And it, it's just that there's, there's so many good bodies there. Uh, right now, I think it's pretty set in stone who the, the 7 or 8D will be to start the year. Um, I think Matheson, Savard, Harris, Baron, Gooley, Kovacevic, uh, Jackye, Weidman, that's probably going to be the eight that they run with. They might go with seven and send uh, maybe a guy like Weidman down or on waivers. Um, I, I don't think they'll send one of the the young players down. Um, the only ones that are waiver exempt this year are Harris, Baron, Gooley, and Jackye. And Ryan well, Ryan back. Oh yeah, Ryan back. But I, I don't. I I'm not sure he's even going to be in Laval, um, this year. But, um, yeah, I, you know, obviously there's other guys like you know Norlander, Trudeau, Strudel, Mayu. Um, I I don't see them really competing for spots out of camp. I'm looking at the guys who were in the NHL, um, last year, and yeah, I think it's pretty set in stone. I I don't think we'll see any surprises really. Uh, unless somebody comes out of nowhere and, and really has a great camp, uh, but I, I think the, the the eight or seven that are that are in camp are, are there, and obviously leaving room for injuries or other things to happen uh, as well. I'd like to see David Savard out of there. I'd like to see them get get a trade for him. Like they they were able to move on from Edmondson. I'd like to see David Savard get out of there as well. I think that would open up some space, and then that would give an opportunity to maybe some for somebody to perhaps surprise. I agree with Weidman to waivers. That makes sense. I'd, I'd really like to see them do something with David Savarlo um, to, to open up one of those opportunities. I think we've seen enough of him. I, I don't think he's part of the rebuild. I don't think he's going to be around when this team's ready to compete. And I don't think there's any value in continuing to see him take up a roster spot and take up minutes when we know that that's the case, when we know that he's not going to be around when the team is ready to compete. If I, that I completely happens, disagree. I completely disagree though, because the, the, you look at the guys who would take that spot. There's nobody ready right now to take that spot. Like, would you really want to throw a Reinbacher or a Mayu or a Struble uh, into that spot? Um, well, that's I, I, I think we're a year away from from looking at David Savard. That's why uh, you as, have as Chris Weidman in the organization in the first place, right? To be your extra guy that you can throw in there. It, it's not. It's not about, about being an extra guy. Off. It's about. You, 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 you need somebody to take those 20, 25 minutes that Savard plays. And, and Weidman can't even do that. Um, and I don't think you can throw uh, or, or count on those guys. Obviously, if something happens where there's an injury, you know, you have no choice. But I, I don't, I think we're still a year away from, from that being a possibility, personally. I don't know, man. I'd, I'd rather, because I think Wyden can skate the 20 minutes, right? Can he do it in a way that actually, you know, defends and keeps the puck out of your net uh, more often than not? Maybe not. But I don't think, like, do we give a shit if the team's losing more games than they win? All that's going to do is give them another good draft pick. And worst case scenario, worst case scenario, they lose more games 
than they win as a result of Chris Wyvin eating, biting off a little bit more than he can chew. Personally, for me, I'd rather see somebody else get an opportunity on the third pair than continue to see David Salah on the top. I don't think, like, sure, he's eating 20 minutes, but, like, again, not to just sit here and dump on the guy, but I don't see the advantage at this point. I'd rather see somebody else get a shot at lesser minutes, spread the minutes out more. Um and and do do no, what you can to give he's a younger He's not taking a, a spot away. He's not taking a spot away from anybody on the right side, though. That that's the thing is like you have the only no. guy, the only guy that you, you they have on the right side right now. They have Savard, Baron, Kovacevic, Weidman. So I mean, you know, it, he's taking like I I don't I think that we we agree that Mayu shouldn't be playing twenty minutes a night in the NHL right away. Um, at least no. not until we see what he can do at camp. I don't think it's it's fair to pencil him right now doing that. Um, but I, I think that Savard's kind of been a spot where Edmondson was last year. Like I I don't think he's I don't think he's excess yet. Um I, I think that probably when there's a year left on his contract, like with Edmondson, uh, and once the the other guys have a, another year uh, of experience, like I, I think by next year, not not this coming year, but the year after, I think you're looking at Reinbacher being in the NHL. I think you're looking at um, potentially Mayu being in the NHL, potentially Struble being in the NHL. Um, there's another guy in, in Boston University who's um, a defenseman. His name is Gainsby right now, um, but but he might be under contract um, that year. So I, I think that, yes, you know, long, definitely long-term, David Savar is not the answer. Uh, I just don't see the re- a reason to trade him right now at the deadline potentially yes you know there, there could be an opportunity depending how the young guys develop but i don't think that you're in a position to create a spot for a young guy right now i think the eight that they have in the nhl picture is is fine the way it is i don't think unlike the forwards where you have guys like Hua, Farrell, heineman who are really pushing it like ulan and harvey Pernard who are pushing at that spot and, and ready for the NHL. I don't see that on the defense this year. Um, but, you know, in a couple of months uh, into the season uh, or especially in 24, 25, I think that's when you look at it. Interesting discussion. I'm sure you're going to fill up the comments with even more of an interesting discussion in regards to lineups. They're always popping lineups in there. And that's how we got this idea. And you've been listening to Absent Minded with Jared Book with Matt Drake and with me, Patrick Bexel. Subscribe, leave a comment. We'll try to work our way into the comments and answer any questions you might have. Enjoy the rest of the summer. We will be back with as often as we can, but we're not sure how often that will be until the top 25 under 25 jumps out. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys for listening.